hate sin. I, I hope you look at what is being presented today and just think, how can I help another brother in their, their fight against sin? So I, I pray that you would just see this as a resource well beyond what we're doing here this morning. As I get started, I, I want to just call attention to the topic of fighting sin and the necessity and the importance. Several years ago, and this is in the second print now, there was a book uh, written, Dangerous Calling, and it was four pastors, two pastors by Paul David Tripp. And this is the second edition. And the reason for the second edition is because people that were listed and endorsed the book in the first edition didn't fight sin in, in a God-revering way and are now out of ministry. Uh, the back cover of the original book has people saying this book is so helpful, but yet today they are out of ministry. I, I know Heath Lambert wrote a book a few years ago called uh, Finally Free, and it was the battle of, for, for sexual purity. And he had to call the publisher and say, quit printing, we need to change, because the main endorsement was somebody that at this point now has even renounced their faith. And, and so this fight against sin is real. And I, as we get started, I want to just read from Ephesians chapter 6 what, what our battle is and where our solution is. And I'm going to pick it up, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul writes, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes for your struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil come, day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Uh, our battle against sin is not just, I need to do better. Oh, Lord, take this from me. There is a battle. There is a fight. Uh, scripture uses battle words. Uh, so we need to recognize the reality of the battle that we are in. But, uh, so we're going to talk a lot today about fighting sin, but it needs to be more than talk. And when I say that, what I mean is there needs to be a change of how we think. Our battle is not uh, just the sin in the world. Part of the battle is how we think. And this lesson is broken into five categories. A, a biblical definition of sin is where we start. Biblically, how do I recognize sin? Which might sound kind of stupid, like, well, I know how to recognize sin, but I'm going to help you even more clearly recognize sin from Scripture. Biblically, how to think about repentance, 
And we're going to spend a lot of time today, biblically, how to fight sin. And in the last, we're going to talk about how to think about God's glory in this. So with that, it's, this should be on your handouts, the definition of sin. I'm giving you a couple here. J.C. Ryle says, sin is the vast moral disease which affects the whole human race. And a sin consists of doing, saying, thinking, or imagining anything that is, in not, that is not in perfect conformity with the mind and the law of God. Sin, in short, as the scripture saith, is transgression of the law. And Jerry Bridges writes, all sin, even sin that seems so minor in our eyes, is lawlessness. It is not just the breaking of a single command. It is a complete disregard of the law, deliberate rejection of his moral will in favor of fulfilling one's own desires. And I would say it's not just a complete disregard for the law of God. It is a complete disregard for the lawgiver. It's a disregard guard for the God that we want to submit to. Sin is just missing the mark. God has set a standard, and sin is when we miss that mark of what God has uh, told us it would be good for us. And, and I do think, because both quotes use the word law, and one uses the word lawlessness, and I, I think it's easy for us to kind of give a, a minor thought to it and think, well, you know, if I'm doing five over the speed limit, I'm breaking the law, and you know, it's really no big deal. But law, the definition of lawlessness is due to a disregard of the law, and that's God's law. And, and another descriptor is unruly. As I look here, every one of us has got kids. Think about unruliness in your kids and how you would care for your children. And, and when we sin, we're being unruly against a holy God. There's a quote from Thomas Watson, and, and it's in the book, Doctrine of Repentance. Doctrine of Repentance is a wonderful small book. It's a free PDF online. Uh, but, but here is a quote, and I want you to think about this. Until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Until sin is bitter in our lives, in our mind, how we think about it, that it just gives us a sick in the gut feeling. Until we get to sin being that bitter, Christ will not be sweet. You know, at this point, you know, in this message, you might sense a, a discouragement, uh, a sense of discouragement, discouragement in your battle to fight sin. Uh, but this quote should be an encouragement to you. If, if you're discouraged, it's because it's the bitterness of sin. And the bitterness of sin, Christ becomes sweet. So we're going to Go to point two, and it's recognizing sin. Biblically, how can you recognize sin? Uh, th this scripture should be on your handout, I believe. You would think I would remember, but uh, Galatians 5.19. Let me read it, and I'm going to walk through Galatians there. Uh, as I read this, I want you to recognize, and I believe 
because I have practiced this numerous times in my own life, sin falls into three categories, and we're going to see that in Scripture here. And uh, I think God put the cookies on the bottom shelf to help us understand our sin. This isn't like, I really, this is hard to figure out. So let me read it, then I'll explain these three categories to you. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, fangs, dissension factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here are the three categories that I believe every sin you and I will commit will fall into. And it starts with the sensual. And, and that word immorality, that is the deed. It is an action that is doing something. Uh, impurity, it's what goes on inside my heart. It's how I think. It's the things I fantasize about. It's the things I think about in a sensual realm. Sensuality, some translations say debauchery, which is a bit more helpful where it's a combination between a, an alcohol or some sort of uh, drugs, whatever, and sensuality. It's a combination of the both of both. So you, you have the sensual sin. The second is the category of false religion. False religion. And it says here, idolatry. What is an idol? Anything we want more than God. That's false religion. Uh, sorcery, that, that's an easy one. Some translations will say witchcraft. It's false religions. Every one of us creates idols. Our battle is false religion that sets it up to the, the perfectness of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And, and the third category where we sin is this horizontal relationships. And it says there that, that there's enmities, there's strife, there's jealousy, there's anger, there's disputes, there's dissensions. There's envy, and he goes back, and there's, there's drunkenness and carousing, goes back to the first two. And, and here's the frightening thing, guys. And those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. God couldn't have made it any easier for us to understand and recognize sin in our own life, and I believe it falls into three categories. Uh, I gave you some other verses there for your own uh, edification and, and just going to God's word, but I do want to point out Proverbs 6, 19, 6, 16 through 19. These are strong words. There are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven. And, and right now, you might be thinking, if you didn't know the scripture, these must be really, really big. No, pride, haughty eyes is what it says, a lying tongue. A little white lie? Uh, the hands that shed blood, that somebody that would want to harm somebody, a heart that devises wicked plans, just how 
You might even be planning for sin. Feet that run rapidly towards evil, a false witness, and one who spreads dissensions amongst the brothers. Scripture's clear. God cares about our holiness. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, again, it is a, another list, but I, I won't, just want to just point your attention in the midst of that verse. It says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those that practice such things. These are heavy warnings. On your, on your outline again, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, a few years ago, I know in uh, our fellowship group back then, they were called small groups. We were going through 1 John. And I, I really surveyed my life. And what you see in 15 through 17 of 1 John there's there's three things going on here and every every sin i have committed falls into one of these three categories that are in this verse and i will read it do not love the world or the things of the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away, and also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Mark Shaw, in his book, Understanding Temptation, summarizes this verse really well, and here's what he says. Essentially, lust of the flesh is we can do anything we want. Lust of the eyes, we can have anything we want. And the pride of life is we can be what we want to be. Uh, every sin we will commit would fall into one of those three categories. And, and this is kind of a catch-all in James 4.17, therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it's sin. And this is talking about things that might not be, there. on the back of the study, there's a list of, Josh gave a list of uh, gray areas, and I, I've put them in there. There's areas that it might be okay for Jim to do something, but it might be sin for me to do it. Uh, but if I'm aware that something is sin for me, I need to not do it. Because if I do it, it is sin, even if Scripture doesn't speak to it, but... I'm convinced that it would be sin for me. Does that make sense, or do you need? Do you want me to give some an explanation of that? Anybody awake? Bueller, Bueller. Maybe you guys are too young for that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to quote uh, John MacArthur: "Sin is any personal lack of conformity." to the moral character of God or law of God, then sin is a disposition of the heart. It is a bent. It thinks evil. It speaks evil. It acts evil. It omits good. Let me give those four because those are the four in which you sin. You sin by thinking evil, speaking evil, acting evil, or omitting good. You sin when you do, you, you sin when you do, when you say, when you think, or when you don't do, say, think, what God commanded you to. 
So it is commission as you've often heard or omission. And, and that list on the back of gray areas, it, it, again, for one person it might be okay and for you it might not be. And I am going to the top of the pa page two handout and it's the third part of fighting sin and it's repentance. And, and there's two ways to think about repentance. Uh, there is the uh, repent and believe that is your, your first act as a Christian. It is to repent of sin. And then there is a daily repenting of sin. There is a daily fight against sin and repentance. But I would say this, just because you know the definition of sin, or maybe today you even could recognize sin, uh, that's not necessarily repentance. They're important part of the process of repenting, but it's not complete. So what do you do once you recognize their sin? And, and I want to start with the good news because this is so comforting. Uh, we confess our sins. We agree with God. There is a need for, con for confession. And, and I'm going to read 1 John 1, 9, and I want you to just catch with me four character traits of God in this verse. It says, when we, as us, as when we confess our sin, God is faithful, he's righteous, he forgives, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And when we are in the process of repentance and we are confessing our sin, God promises to be faithful, righteous, forgiving, and cleansing. In, in confession, what it is, the best definition is you're agreeing with God. God, I agree with you. This is sinful. Uh, and, and you know, if, if you ever see the world seek forgiveness, I can remember, I can remember we had a president back in the 90s who was... Uh, speaking to his adulterous relationship, and I made a mistake. Uh, now, if you sin, call it sin. It, it's not a mistake. Here's a mistake. If I put my hands in my left pocket to reach for my car keys, and oh, they're in my right pocket, that is a mistake. I reached into the wrong pocket. Uh, when we sin, it's not a mistake. Uh, we, we need to call it what God calls it. And, and the go-to passage in the New Testament for repentance is 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11. And, and as we walk through what repentance looks like, I'm just going to read verses uh, 10 and 11 for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret. And, and that is not a regret means you're not upset that this got exposed. There is no, I am glad it got exposed. I need to deal with this. Leading to salvation for the sorrow of the world produces death. Uh, just 
crying crocodile tears. I'm so sad I did this. That just leads to death. That, that doesn't lead to honoring the Lord. For behold, what earnestness this thing, this, this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication. Uh, it, it's a vindication. I want you to see that I'm no longer like that. I'm living in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. What vindication of yourself, what indignation, I hate that sin. What fear, what longing, what zeal, what avenging of wrong. In everything, you demonstrate yourselves to be innocent in the matter. When when you have sin, part of the repentance is, uh, I think this next section here, it's from Jim Neuheiser, and it's on something that he calls, how can you know his repentance is genuine? Uh, it kind of walks through with many scriptures what I just read from Second Corinthians. And let's look at this together. Genuine repentance is God-focused. It is not self-focused. It, it's on, I need to be glorifying God. It's not, oh, how do I cover this up? It's a hatred of sin, not just a hatred of the consequences, but it's a hatred of the, of sin. And there's verses there that will help you fortify your mind in thinking these things. Uh, fully accepts responsibility. It's not self-protective. How do you own your sin? You know, you think of Adam in the garden. Well, it's the wife you gave me, God. You know, do you try to deflect when, when you deal with sin? A genuine repentance owns it fully. It's concerned for others rather than blaming them. It patiently accepts consequences rather than impatiently demanding trust or restoration. It's recognizing, I may be hard I may, I may be a difficult person for you to trust after this. You know, I, if I've been untruthful, you may have a hard time believing anything I say. There's a consequence to it, and I recognize that. I can't demand, you just need to believe me. You submit to discipline and accountability rather than criticizing the disciplinary process in changed hearts that produces fruit. There will be fruit of the one that is repentant. There is a, uh, and this is on your handout again, it's, it's summarizing repentance. Uh, and this is, again, J.C. Ryle. Genuine repentance sees the greatest greatness and beauty and worth of Jesus. Think about that. Genuine repentance sees the beauty and the worth of Jesus. The punishment that is due to the repentant sinner has fallen on Jesus instead. God's wrath towards the repentant sinner has been removed in Jesus' death. Repentance means you will separate yourself from sin, not, but not without simultaneously entrusting your life further to Christ. 
it is not enough to only focus on putting off the sin, destroying the sin. Greater pursuit of Jesus in God's word, deeper love for him, deeper entrustments of self to him must also simultaneously occur. Uh, I remember there was a song a few years ago, uh, How Many Times, Lord, I Have Cried, Just Take This From Me. Uh, And I get it, and I've done it, and I've been there. But my fight against sin needs to have deeper thought and love for my Savior. It's not just take this from me, Lord. You and I need to grow our love and our faith. We need to be continually renewing our mind with, with who our Savior is and what a great God we serve. Another pastor sums it up this way. A believer perceives his own sinfulness in direct proportion to how clearly he sees the holiness of God and perfection of his law. I, I know for myself, I, I don't know if it's the longer I walk with the Lord or if it's the older I get and the closer I am to uh, eternity, uh, but I have been amazed at how true this statement is. And I don't, I, I can't tell you, is it, I, I know I'm going to die. I, I'm a lot closer than I once was, but so are you. Uh, or, or it's the longer I've walked with the Lord. But how you perceive your own sinfulness is how you perceive a holy God. If you, wanna, if you want sin to be bitter, it starts with the knowledge of who God is in what our Savior has done. It's the continual renewing of your mind. And we have to continue to, I, we have to continue to renew our mind. You can't live on three weeks ago stale breadcrumbs. The world we live in changes. We are changing. We need to continually be renewing our mind. So we've looked at genuine repentance. I think it's helpful to to talk and consider uh, things that don't prove repentance. Um, And these aren't on your handout, but as I know, I have just even considered my own repentance. Uh, It's good to know that these are here because I know I've seen this in my own life, where things that just, this isn't a mark of repentance. It doesn't really mean that you're repentant, Tom. And here they are. Here's some things to consider. Uh, a recognition of sinful actions. That doesn't necessarily prove that you're repentant. Sorrow over sin doesn't necessarily prove that I'm repentant. Seeking forgiveness for my sin. Fleeing, or I'm sorry, feeling a weight of guilt on your conscience. Matthew 27. Yeah. Just because I feel guilty doesn't mean that I'm repenting. Commitments or vows not to sin again. Boy, how many times have we done that? That's not a sign of rep- that's might not be real repentance. A short season of victory over sin. The mere presence of any of these uh, doesn't necessarily prove that you're repentant. 
after recognition of sin, begin the process of repentance, it must include a fight against sin. If you are repentant, you will be fighting differently sin. And that takes us to the fourth point of what I'm trying to uh, teach on today is how do we fight sin? And I've broken this down into eight categories and in the midst of these categories, there's subcategories and it's like turning on a fire hydrant because here, here is where our battle is in fighting sin. Uh, let me start with uh, the gospel. Your, your fight against sin begins with your rehearsing, remembering the gospel to yourself. Uh, you know, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about the, the, uh, the Thomas Watson quote, the, the wages of sin are death. I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve wrath. Uh, until sin be bitter, Christ won't be sweet. I, I need to recognize the reality of what I deserve, that I would recognize the beauty of what I've been given. Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation. 2 Timothy 2.8-13, remember Jesus risen from the dead. We fight sin by remembering the, the beauty of what God has given us. First John 4.10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. God loved us first. And your fight against sin is remembering the re gospel realities of what our Savior has done and what God the Father has done is the beginning place of, after confession, that is the renewing of the mind, rehearsing the gospel to yourself. The, the second in this subcategory of the gospel is using the means of grace that God gives us. And, and the first means of grace that God has given us is, is he's taught us how to pray. Uh, part of, of prayer is changing our thoughts. It, it's from w being in the midst of our sin to how we pray. Lord, increase my faith. It's a reminder of how Jesus taught his apostles to, to pray. Pray in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth that is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Uh, our, our fight in the, one of the means of grace is God hears our prayers. We, we need to be in prayer. We need to be fighting. Uh, Last week's message from Josh teaching on 1 Thessalonians 5. We pray without ceasing. We, we are continually in prayer. I, I love this one. This is the, such a comfort, 1 Peter 5. Therefore, humble yourself under God's mighty hand 
that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Uh, you know, we, we pray. When we pray, we are, we are showing our dependence on God. Uh, we are praying to the one that can do, the one that does change things, changes how we think about things because we're recognizing God and that your will be done. I don't know what you have for me the rest of the day, Lord, but may your will be done. Lord, I know this battle against sin. I want to fight. Lord, grow my faith that I would love you more. May your will be done. The next means of grace is the word of God. It is the renewing of your mind. And, and I list several scriptures there. And uh, and again, I'm going to say it. I, if you have a friend, if I hope you would use this to help somebody as you sit having coffee with somebody. How do they fight sin? Um, and, and so often I have sat with many people in the counseling room that have omitted the means of grace from their life. And you can't fight sin without the means of grace. Uh, again, renewing your mind, the word of God. And, and I'm sure every one of you have heard me say this before. I'll say it again. I think it, it needs to be repeated. Uh, we don't go back to third grade math. We, do, we don't go back to third grade math and, and rehearse to ourselves three times three is three. Uh, three times three is nine. Uh, we don't go back to five times five equals 25. And the reason we don't is because that never changes. But we go back to the word of God because we live in a world that is changing. God's word never changes, but the world we live in is changing. You and I are changing. You and I are impacted by, by the evil things in this world. We never graduate from renewing our mind. We can't put a pause on this. This is a means of grace that God has given us. He's given us his word. Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Do you believe that? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. Where else can we go? We, we need to be renewing our mind. Josh's message from... Uh, New Year's Eve from uh, Psalm 119, 9 through 16. Uh, that, that, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the verses, but uh, that it was a wonderful message for renewing your mind with God's word. John, uh, Jesus in the book of John, his high priestly prayer, sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. We need to be renewing our mind. In Hebrews four twelve through thirteen. I'm going to read this because I want you to I want you to consider the precision of the Bible that you have in your hand or on your lap. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the divisions of the soul and spirit, 
of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, that's God's sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him whom we have to do. I, I want you to think about the precision of, uh, of this fine knife that can separate joints and marrow. It would be, and I, I look at Matt sitting there, who dentist, and just think, you know, the space between the gums and the teeth. There should be no space there. I mean, it, you need something that's just precise to get in there if you have good dental health. Uh, but the, the point is, just think about the precision. You know, we're, we're not built like the, the chocolate Easter bunny and hollow on the inside. I mean, this is so precise, it separates joints from marrow. And I'm not a doctor, but I know this. There's no space. It's that precise. And God, the one that created the body, knew exactly how precise it was, and that's why he used the analogy. The Word of God is precision. It is a precision tool on your heart. The next means of grace is the church. And I, the verses I list there, the first one, you know, communion. A means of grace is when we come together, every time we take communion, it's remembering, it's rehearsing the gospel, it's proclaiming the gospel. It's what my heart needs, it's what your heart needs. You know, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I, I remember I was, this has been several years, but I was talking to a, a person that I had been in church with for years and we had gone to another church and I ran into him and, and I said, how are you doing? What's going on? How are things at, ch at the old church? He said, I'm taking a sabbatical from church for two years. What? Sabbatical from church for two years? The church is a means of grace. Is the church just a, in our case, a Saturday thing? It, it, it should not be that way, guys. The next means of grace, this might be a little uncomfortable for some, but it's trials. God gives us trials as a means of grace. And, and I can tell you, in my life, there was a time where my personal idol was a pain-free, comfortable life. That's what I wanted. I just don't make waves. I just want, er and if everything, because my besetting sin was I'm a grumbler, and so if things weren't going the perfect way that I thought they should go, the next thing that would come would be grumbling. God allows trials for, for my good. And I know you hear this, and I, it's one of my favorite verses, so because I'm the one up here, I get, to, I get to read this verse. But I know you know this is a memory verse, Romans 8, 28 and 29. Uh, and we know 
we know this, that God causes all things, everything to work for good for those who love God, for those who have been called according to his purposes, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. We know that God is working all things together for good, but God gets to define what good is. You and I don't. And God says good is, I'm going to use this to conform you to the image of your Savior. And at that point, I would say, God, I'd rather just read a book about it. But that's not what God thinks is good. Your next trial is to draw you closer to your Savior, to be conformed. Hebrews 12.10, in, in that, those passages there where it talks about for God disciplining us, and I, I love that section of Scripture, the, the writer uses the word discipline, and, and when I think of the word discipline, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is I could hear the sound of my father's belt coming off, and I would be disciplined. Uh, that is, so when you say discipline, seriously, that is pretty much my first thought, uh, spanking. But at the end of that passage there in Hebrews 12, after God says that it is for righteousness sake, it is for holiness sake, it is for growing us in peace, which is always the vertical relationship, he changes the word from discipline to being trained by it. When we face trials, when we face hardship, God is training us. He is sanctifying us. 1 Peter 4.12 tells us, don't be surprised when you face trials. Trials are a means of grace. The next means of grace is serving others. Romans 12.1 is clear. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present yourself, your, present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. We get to worship God by serving others. Uh, again, you see it in Galatians 5, through love, serve one another. Uh, a means of grace is how we care for one another. The, the next is this, this is the third component for fighting sin is research the sin. And your first thought might be, what do you mean by research the sin? I don't need to research it. I, I know all about it. Well, here's what I mean by researching the, the sin. Uh, when sin occurs and you're aware of it, I think it's helpful to just recognize what was going on? What was going on in my heart? What was going on in my mind? What was I thinking? What was I wanting? Uh, so when I talk about research the sin, ask yourself, especially on sins that are a bit more entangling or habitual, when, do, when does this happen? Is it when you're tired? Is it when you're hungry? Is it when you're bored? 
Is it when you're alone? It, it, you do the research to know how do I fight sin. It is not good for me to be alone. Okay, I need to really limit my alone time. It, it is not good for me to engage in something when I'm tired. It, it's being mindful what is going on because typically the way things work in sin, there's, some, there's often a commonality of what's going on in our heart, in our mind. Research the sin. What is going on when I am grumbling? What is going on when, when I am prone to be angry? What, whatever, research the sin. What is going on? And there's many verses there for, for us to consider. You know, Galatians 5 again. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition with one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Research it. Why am I doing this? Here are some helpful questions to ask yourself. And there's a, a study on the back. I, there's a whole resource page I gave you for thinking through these things. But this is from uh, Brian Arnold. And it's back there. And we'll get to it when, as I'm closing. But uh, helpful questions to ask yourself about your sin. In what ways are you choosing not to believe God when you pursue this sin? What are the promises in God's word you're choosing not to believe? What are the principles in God's word you're choosing to ignore? What are the commands in God's word you're choosing to disobey? And there is, and I really thought I brought it. I, uh, and I must not have. Uh, there's a link on the back, and I'll do a, instead of giving you a visual of what it was, uh, there's a link there to, uh, on Chalice's, Tim Chalice's blog, it's called Battle Plan. And it's a four-page it helps you in, in researching the sin, researching your heart in the midst of sin. Uh, the link is there, and it's four pages, and you just, you just are researching a sin that you're trying to fight. Uh, it's gold. It is, I would have printed it for everybody, but it's grayscale on the back, and it would have taken so much toner, I said, it's not even, it's worth it if you go do it on your own, though. Uh, how do you like that? How, here's how much I value. I'm not going to spend the money on toner. There you go. Uh, here, here is the next in fighting sin. It's be alert. Sin is a problem. Our heart is a problem. And uh, we, we need to consider these things in our fight. We need to be alert. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 15 says, good, good understanding produces favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Just recognize, if you're not going to deal with your sin, it is going to get harder and harder. I, I have seen this 
in, in counseling. I have seen it in my own life. The way of the transgressor is hard. Proverbs 16, the, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his way preserves his life. Be alert. Proverbs 22, thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards himself will be far from them. Proverbs 28, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. We need to be alert of what the problem is. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart's deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it? There, there's just every angle you can look at being alert are the verses that I gave you there. Luke 6, 45, uh, the problem is the overflow of our heart. It's the overflow of what we want. Remember, it's not an accident. Oh, that was just an accident. I really didn't mean to do that. That was, that was just a mistake. No. It's what was in my heart that produced it. Uh, Ephesians 5, therefore be careful how you walk. Be alert. James 4.17, therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it's sin. Be alert. Do you know the right thing to do? Are you mindful of the right thing to do? Sometimes you need to pre-decide your decisions. You need to think about, if this situation happens, how should I respond? And there, there is hope in the fight. There, there truly is. Josh's message from a couple of months ago on Philippians 2, 12 and 13. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not just in my present only, presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So our responsibility is we, we need to fear. We, we want to fight sin. We want to flee from sin. Uh, and just recognize it's God that's working in you. The next one, flee temptation. Uh, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Uh, Proverbs 4.27, do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Matthew 5, radical amputation. We need to flee temptation. Why put yourself in a spot where you may be prone or tempted to sin? Flee temptation. Eight is replacing old habits. Those scriptures there talk about the put off and the put ons. Uh, but there might be habits that, that need to change. And in closing, remember why God created you. Isaiah 43, 7 says, simply, I created you for my glory. Ephesians 1 says, God chose us before the foundations of the world for his glory. Re remember, your role here isn't just to fight. 
your role is to glorify God. I know one of the verses I've listed is, Phil, your favorite verse. Here it is. For you have been bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether you, whether then you eat, drink, whatever you do, do it all for God's glory. God saves sinners for his glory. Uh, I know I went longer than I had thought. It's 7 o'clock. But I want to take a couple minutes for Q&A. If anybody has any questions about what I presented, feel free to. Oh, here's what battle plan looks like. I did have it. And, and it just walks you through uh, how to just research your own heart and your own sin. In the, it's on Charlie's website. So my mistake was thinking that I brought it and then I thought I didn't bring it. I, I really didn't sin. It was just a mistake. My attempt at humor uh, didn't work. Okay. Uh, there's a whole bunch of ministry verses there for, for just this, that fit this message for fighting sin in your handout. Some questions for consideration. And I'm going to get to the resource page just to touch on that. Oh, I also, you should have these spirals. You, many of you have probably seen this before. But one of the beauties of this spirals, uh, of just this as a visual, is if you see an attitude in your heart, it gives you the, the action that is going on. And this is bad, this is good. So this is just set was put in here just to help you just recognize what might be going on in your heart so you could truly see what God's word says about the the battle going on in your thoughts. Okay, on the additional uh, resource page, uh, I've given you a few books for consideration. I did list a couple of sent, uh, links there to uh, GIBC Jupiter on uh, Genuine Repentance by Brian Ar Arnold and The Battle Guide for Fighting Sin by Brian Arnold. They're both great messages. There's Tim Challies's link there for what I just showed you. There's another one. Uh, there's a link there called The Unrepenting Repenter. Think about that. Uh, the person that continually thinks that they are repenting from their sin, but they're really unrepentant. It, it's a helpful way to think about uh, your own repentance. I gave there a link there to an old message from Scott Maxwell from, boy, probably 12 years ago, I, th I think, on fleeing sin, and a link to J.C. Riles on five marks of repentance. They are there just for to help you, whether you are helping yourself, helping your you and your spouse together, helping a friend. I, I hope this message goes far beyond just hearing it today that, it would be a helpful resource as you fight sin. And again, I'll ask any questions. Was I that clear? Really? No. Uh, yes, George. Yeah. 
Sure. I'll, I'll give you an example from my own life. <clears throat> uh, when you consider it fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If there's something in my life where I have lacked self-control and I have grown and God has taken it from me, and I'm going to go into cut living color here in just a second. If God has taken this from me, why would I want to test him on an area where I have not had self-control? In my life, if Jim lit up a cigarette right now, I would not say, oh, man, Kretz is in sin. I, I wouldn't do that because scripture doesn't say thou shall not smoke. It says don't be controlled, have self-control. For me, because I smoked for years, uh, became a believer at 28 and was still smoking when I first became a believer. And I can tell you, God took that from me. That wasn't me because I tried this many times. Oh, I'm just going to muster it up and have enough fight. to. I don't want to do this. God took it from me. I, I truly believe. So for me, I could think of a time I was in Barcelona, Spain, and they're smoking these cigars, the people I was with, and I said, oh, Tom, you've got to try this. This thing is great. And I said, I can't. I, I don't want to test the Lord. He took this from me. It would be foolish for me. It would be, I believe, sin for me to test God when he's taken something from me. Uh, it could be how we eat. It, it, there could be numerous things. It, it could be a lack of self-control uh, for what type of entertainment uh, has led me to sin. It could be, I don't want to watch the Super Bowl. I don't want to watch the commercials. If this has led me to sin, I, this is radical amputation. And, and for another person, it might not be. Uh, you know, I don't mind watching blood and gory gut, you know, I can't even think of anything, but, you know, action movies. That, that doesn't bother me, but to the person that it would bother or even cause them aggression and anger, if God's taken this from you, why test him? That's my point. Does that make sense? Because it makes sense here and you never know what comes out. I'm serious. Any other questions? No. How about I pray? We'll go into two groups. I was thinking if there weren't enough, we'd go into one group. But we'll go to two groups, so let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for just uh, allowing me to be your instrument. Lord, you don't need me. Uh, I don't know why you use me, but Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that you would allow me to be your instrument. Lord, I pray the words that I spoke brought you the glory you deserve. Father, I pray, Lord, that this message would impact my heart, impact my friends' hearts, and Father, it would impact Gilbert Bible Church. Father, we pray all this because of you, for you, in our Savior's name, amen.